So a um, couple things. Um, as I speak, I'll tell you I have two large goals. And this is, this is a confession time because I'm just going to confess something, just to let you guys know. So actually, no, it's kind of confession. It's more of an apology. So um, I have two large goals um, when I speak. And one of the goals is that I want people to learn something when they walk out the door, that they have something in their mind that, wow, I learned something. I took something home. I carried it. It's in my mind. I can apply it. I can do it. Or you know, I received something from the Word of God that is going to stay in me all week. You know, that's, that's a goal that I have. And the other goal that I have um, is I want people to leave on fire. I want people to leave excited. I want people to leave with energy. See, what we do is we have a God is a God full of grace, full of strength, full of power, and wants to give us the Holy Spirit. And um, when, if we're preaching that God, if somebody leaves here guilty, then I did a bad job. Um, because the God that we preach is a God who rose from the dead, who paid for all of your sin, set you free to live a life that he's called you to live. And you can't live a life that God has called you to live unless you're free. <laughs> free from what? Free from guilt. <laughs> free from, from sin. Free from those things. That's what, that's what the Bible is about, and that's the centerpiece of the Bible. So every time I preach or teach, what I want to do is I want to give you information for the purpose of setting you on fire, for the purpose of getting you excited about God, what he's doing in your life and what he's doing around the world and what he can continue to do through you. So I just want to say that those are the two, uh, the two goals. Now, one thing when I speak, I'll tell you, I get really focused sometimes. Um, and when I get really, really focused, I get narrowed down and I, I, I kind of hit something really, really hard and then I lose sight of a lot of other things. And so my apology is that we've been talking about raising children in regards to explaining to them how do you talk to your kids about sexuality. And uh, Jody and I, you know, struggle all the way through life. How should we raise our children this way? How should we raise our children this way? What should we do? And I'll tell you that it, that it, was, that it is a struggle and uh, consistently is a struggle. And I'll tell you, by no means uh, we are not perfect um, whatsoever. But what I'm speaking about, you know, training your children about sex, I'm throwing these things out there for the couple who has little children that they're training right now about sex. So what I'm saying is I'm speaking specifically to that couple. So when you hear the bold statements of, talk to your kids, you know, screaming at the top of them, um, that's for the young people, which there's not an extreme amount in the room, but there is some here that I'm just looking at saying, oh, thank you for listening to it. Talk to your kids about sex. Talk to them about a young age. And, and I get very focused on that because I'm speaking to them. Now, other people in the room can say, I already raised my kids, and I didn't do it. <laughs> and it was, some people go, well, I feel guilty that I didn't do that. Um, I want to apologize for saying, yeah, let's do this, and not speaking to you as well. Don't feel guilty. We have a God that is a God of complete freedom. So if I'm saying you should do this when your children are young, and you go, well, I didn't do it, and, and I don't even know if it's right or anything, but I didn't do it, don't feel guilty about that. We still have the power of God, the power of prayer, um, the power of reconciliation. We still have all those things um, that are there. But what has taken place is we're living in a different world than we lived in five years ago. Uh, we're living in a way different world than we lived in 10 years ago. In fact, the last 15 years, this world has gone completely different in regards to sexuality. And the reason why it's gone so different is because the accessibility that people have um, to see images that, that you, a lot of you as children would never even had, were tempted to see because you, it's not accessible. 
And, uh, but when it is accessible, people are on it, people are feeding it on it, people, it is happening, and that's why we need to talk to our kids at much, much younger age. And uh, so this is new information, you know, even to me, in a sense of we've got to be very aggressive because of the stage that we live in. So I might say, talk to your kids at a young age and talk to them constantly. You know, that might be, I believe that that is completely for today, but that might not have been for 20 years ago, 30 years ago in those things. So when I speak, I just want to say that I'm speaking to young kids in regards to that. I'm sorry if, uh, if somebody felt guilty, like, oh, I didn't do that. Well, quite frankly, you know, like I said before, Jody and I are not perfect parents at all, by any means. Um, in fact, uh, when, I, uh, when my child was born, the first child, Madeline, uh, the second day, um, I'm like, this is just crazy. I tell you, my heart beat like crazy. And I said, I just got to get out of the house. And I left the house, and I went to the coast all by myself. And I spent all day on the coast by myself saying, God, I don't know how to do this. This is scaring me like crazy. And it didn't get any better because when I got back, I sat in the house with a baby that I didn't know what to do with. And my wife, she knew what to do with, but I didn't know what to do with. And uh, I chopped 40 cords of wood during my maternity leave. I mean, I'll tell you that I'm a messed up dad <laughs> um, during this process. You know, it's like, oh my goodness, this is a huge responsibility uh, going after it. So, yes, there's not, nothing's beautiful. I'm not coming up here saying, oh yeah, everything's working here. Um, this is what you should do. I'm just saying, this is what we ended up doing. And I wouldn't change what I ended up doing, raising my kids. And I just want to present that to you. But if you didn't do it, well, your strategy, your structure could have been um, better than, than what I'm doing anyway. So... Um, I just wanted to make sure they clear that if you do leave feeling guilty, please don't. <laughs> we have a God that wants nothing to do, does not want you to feel that way whatsoever. Um, so just want to encourage you in that regard. All right, so apologies over. Now we'll get into it. <laughs> Look out. <laughs> just kidding. Uh, we're answering a question, um, and there's no scripture this week, just to let you know. Um, and the reason why is I didn't want to just pull out scripture to try to get this point, because the point is a very cultural point. And, um, but there was a question that was asked, um, it was like three, four weeks ago, and it was asked by um, Terry Kamladi, and uh, how do you guard against someone who is drawing close to you? And uh, what that means, and that's kind of how I phrased it, you know, I'm not, that's not exactly what he asked. He asked more like, how do you know uh, how to say, what to say, what not to say to somebody to keep them away from you in regards to, I think I'm starting to have a little crush on this, on, on me, or I'm starting to have a crush on them. You know, we don't want those things to take place how do I treat a lady from the opposite sex? And if you are a lady, how do you treat a man from the opposite sex to make sure that these inside communication pieces are not taking place where there can be adultery that can, can happen? So that's what we're looking at, guarding against someone drawing close to you. Now, I do want to say that this um, sermon is for, uh, for adultery. I'm just going to say specifically for adultery. Um, if you are a single person in this room, I've got some pointers for you, but I'll point them out when it comes down to it. But number one, don't look at somebody who's married. That would be one pointer. But also, none of this applies to you as much, okay? It applies to you if you are a married person in the room, this is how you should treat ladies. This is how you should treat men. Or it applies to you if you're a single person in the room, and that person that you're talking with, getting connected with, is married, that's how you should treat, how you should treat, how you should treat them. So let's just look at, um, go through here, and then we'll also have lots of room for questions and discussions. Uh, words to avoid with the opposite sex. If, you're, if I'm going to talk to anybody outside of my wife, there are some words that I want to avoid 
um, talking, speaking to any ladies. Um, and I call these hot words. Hot words for men and hot words for women. What's a hot word? If you tell a man, I respect you, I will say that communicates very strongly to a man. A man is starving to be respected, starving to be strong, starving to be admired. And if a lady comes up and says, you know, I really respect you, I will say those words come with an extreme amount of impact that can go, oh, well, my wife doesn't respect me. Oh, my children doesn't respect me. I go to work and they don't respect me. And this young lady is looking at me and saying, respect me. They're hot words because they will mess with men's minds just to, just to let you know. Now, for any single ladies that are out there that want to get a man that you really have a crush on, walk up to him and say, I respect you. <laughs> the reason why, because that's a hot word. I mean, just in a sense, it is a powerful word because we're starving for that as men. Words like, I really admire you. I really believe in you. A man wants to be strong. A man wants to be powerful. And when ladies are speaking this way to a married man, I will tell you, it's, it's strong and you don't want to do it. Ladies, do not do it. It's not healthy. It's not good because it's going to mess with a man's mind. It has a potential to mess with a man's mind. Uh, you make my day. And then the last one, I desire you. Don't ever say, I desire you. Women, never say, I desire you for a man. I mean, I'm even talking about the dating people. Don't, women, if you're a lady and you have a crush on a guy, don't say, I desire you, because it comes with an extreme amount of power. Men in their marriage are de- dying to be desired even by their wives. We just starve to be desired by our wife. And when our wives even pursue us and say, you know, I, I just want you to know I desire you. I want you to know, I'm just going to say it, I want you tonight. You know, oh my goodness, that's powerful in a marriage relationship. Outside of a marriage relationship, it's going to carry some power. So ladies, those are words you do not want to say to men, married at all. And men, if you start hearing these words coming from ladies that are with you in your work environment or anywhere else, you should step back. <laughs> you should put up some bars and say, oh my goodness, communication has gone a little bit too far and we're getting too close because those are words that uh, should not be used. Um, words are different for ladies. You don't say, I respect you to ladies. Words are, you know, you look really amazing. Um, if you need to talk, don't worry, I'm here. Um, I really enjoy your company. How can I support you? How are you uh, really feeling? Because I would really sit down and listen to you if you really want to express how you're really feeling. I'm sorry things are going the way things are. I wish I could do something to help. Now, these words carry an extreme amount of power for ladies. When my daughters were growing up, and you see this all the time, I saw it at prayer this week, but when my daughters were growing up, they used to put on these princess dresses. And, uh, and what they would do is they'd run out in the front room, and I'd be sitting on the chair, and they'd say, Dad, look at me, look at me, look at me. And they'd sit there and do what? They'd twirl. And as they're twirling, they're listening to every word I say. And because what happens is when they're twirling, they're thinking, Daddy, do you think I'm pretty? Do you think I'm beautiful? Do you think I'm wonderful? Do you think I'm gorgeous? That's what these little girls in their desire is, is saying. Because every girl, and I'm speaking girls again, I'm sorry, I was probably way off track even last week when I speak about girls, but girls desire that. They desire to be beautiful. So when I said, you're absolutely gorgeous, you're beautiful, then they'd get all excited, they'd run out, and they'd be all excited about it. Um, and when I said, you know, this took place in prayers, because 
We had some girls that came in their princess dresses <laughs> and looked at us. You guys are so beautiful. It's just, it's, just, it's just amazing. But that's what the heart of a girl is crying out. So if a heart of a girl is automatically crying out, am I beautiful? And her husband has his mouth shut and she shows up to work and she's working with you. And you say, hey, I just want you to know you look really beautiful this morning. That's powerful. That's, you don't want to go that direction at all because it's going to stick inside of her mind even to a point of going back home and why doesn't my husband say this? Why doesn't my husband speak to me like this? Does my husband not believe that I'm beautiful? This person believes I'm beautiful. And you start putting a value on her just because you said that she was, was beautiful. So those words carry, um, carry a lot of power. And those other words down below uh, carry a lot of power as well. So these are words that you, are hot words that you really just don't want to be coming off your lips if um, you're just work, uh, alongside your coworkers, alongside of a female friend if you're a male, alongside of a male friend if you um, are a female. So um, number two, conversations uh, to run from from the opposite sex. So you're worried about drawing people close to you. You do not want to commit adultery. And uh, all of a sudden this person comes and starts to have a conversation with you. And this is a conversation that she's, I'll just say she because I'm a man, she's having conversations that should keep between you and your spouse. So if this person says, you know, I haven't really shared this with my spouse and starts sharing it to you, red lights. <laughs> red lights should be coming up because everything that should be shared with a spouse should be shared with a spouse. And if she can't share it with her spouse, she's got to go do it with other ladies. She cannot do it uh, with other men because even if you are a listener to say, I'll just listen, what can happen is that her mind can be going in a sense, oh, wow, somebody is listening to me. My husband doesn't listen to me, but now somebody else is listening to me. Very, very powerful, very, very strong. So when you hear these words, conversation, it should be kept between the spouses. You want to keep them in those directions. Uh, Don't share thoughts, feelings, and problems that should be shared only with the spouse. Um, Complaining against their other spouse. So as you can see, there's a theme going on. If you are a man and there's another lady at work, in your job that is complaining about a spouse, that is a time that, okay, there's a line being crossed. There's thoughts that are being there that should not be there, and I cannot be a listener of it. You're supposed to act like Joseph and run from it and be careful of it. Personal talk about their uh, body image, bodily functions, and bodily parts. Uh, Body image is huge. Um, Do not um, um, bring that up uh, whatsoever, but even bodily functions. There's a personal thing that we we're supposed to keep between ourselves, and I can go all the way from toilet bodily functions, any sort of bodily functions. You start bringing up the personal, what you're doing is you're letting somebody into areas that they probably should not even be into, and conversing in these areas that you should probably not even uh, be conversing, conversing with. And then when we go to um, deep hurts, again, we're getting extremely deep into the heart of somebody that is the opposite sex, and if you're talking specifically to them and her over these deep hurts, um, again, um, our minds go, and our body, our minds go, and the connection um, is growing when there probably should not be a connection taking place. Uh, places to avoid with the opposite sex. Uh, as staff here, we have them sign a contract and say, "Okay, if you're a youth pastor, you're not going to be alone in a vehicle with the opposite sex." Just to let you know. Number one, it doesn't look good. It just does it right. Um, we don't want you in a vehicle with opposite sex, just you and another, uh, another lady or another man, depending on who it is. Meeting alone in private places, um, eating together in public or private. Um, we are, there's been a study on eating together 
and the power of eating together. A lot, now this is kind of a weird study, but a lot of animals mate, and the way that they mate is they first eat together before they mate. It's an animal instinct that for some reason, going out there, eating together, is the first steps into something that turns into an animal instinct, maybe regards to sex, whatever it is, but it does carry a power. Um, You can eat with other couples, you can eat with two guys, one girl, all that is okay, but when you're sharing a meal together, um, there is a power there that you should keep an eye on um, and just uh, be careful with avoiding. Now, I do want to say that these are not like rigid rules of thumb. In other words, what I mean by rigid rules of thumb is thou shalt not never. I'm not saying that. This is not what this is. This is saying if this takes place, use extreme amount of caution and aggression to say something's happening. I don't know about this um, and, and respond to that way. So in other words, if it is happening, it's not like, oh, you're going to commit adultery, but you should be thinking about it. The reason why I bring that up is because uh, my wife, you know, works in a professional field. She's a principal, and, um, and she has been in a car uh, alone with another guy going from here to the district office, um, and, she, um, and she does it every once in a while, but I will tell you, she's on her phone saying, and she tells me everything about it if it ever takes place. So it's not the rule of thumb for her in the professional field. Well, I'm not going to drive with you. You have to drive in this car. You have to drive in this car and drive down. But there's an aggression that I know exactly where my wife's heart is at. I know exactly where her mind is at because she consistently communicates to me all the time. So I completely feel you know, comfortable with that. So I'm not saying it's a rule of thumb, but I'm saying you should open your eyes if this, is, if this thing is taking place. My wife has eaten with another guy one time. And I tell you, it freaked her out. <laughs> she started texting me on the phone and says, ah, I just, I feel, you know, and, um, and I'm like, relax. Thanks for freaking out. It just shows me how much you are connected with me. And uh, so, but through that situation, what took place through the situation, it was like, okay, we're here. We're supposed to, um, we're at a conference. As we're at the conference, we're going to go downstairs and we're going to eat. And it's just him and um, the vice principal and, and her. And they went down to the bottom and they ate, but she felt really guilty about it. And I heard all about it. So I'm like, huh, my wife's not ready to commit adultery. Listen to her. Beg for, oh, I just felt dirty. She explained it to me. So I'm saying that because these are not rules of thumb to say, you're going to commit adultery if you're eating with somebody but you should be aggressively thinking, my husband better know it, my wife better know it, and I should be reacting against it. Because getting comfortable with it, that's when things get really, really dangerous um, in regards to our minds uh, leaving. Um, In prayer alone together, yeah, don't do that. (laughs) Definitely, definitely, definitely don't do that. Prayer is powerful, prayer is spiritual, prayer is intimate. And my wife and I pray together, and I will tell you it's the greatest gift that we have in our marriage. However, if you are praying alone with another single lady and you're a man, don't, don't mess with that. Um, it's extremely strong. Minds start to go. You're now on a spiritual journey with somebody else, and if it happens consistently, I will tell you minds will go, and you do not want those people drawing close to you, and that is like a, the place where people, the place where people um, draw close. I would even encourage that if you're dating um, each other and you're thinking about getting married, um, to put a, a consistent prayer life together um, can even be scary in regards to even your sexuality because it does carry a power as you're working on um, um, a spiritual mission together. It's very, very strong. Number four, innocent physical touch that requires caution and avoidance. Okay, so now we're talking about physical touch. And I put the words innocent 
Because there is some innocent physical touch. Do we never touch? I'm going to just speak from a man's point of view because I'm going to give myself a lot of examples. Um, do I never touch any ladies? Um, if I never touched any ladies, I will tell you that I think I'd really offend a lot of ladies. I think I'd offend a lot, a lot of people. Um, I am in the foyer, and when I'm in the foyer, ladies are coming in, men are coming in, and I look at the guy, I say, put out my hand, I have a nice, strong handshake, and then I look at the lady and say, good morning, and I step away from him. Um, that's, I, I would say, even offensive, um, and would be offensive. So you don't see me do that, do you? You better not see me do it, because I don't do it. I shake the guy's hand, and I shake the lady's hands. So is it an innocent touch to shake hands? It depends on what area you're in. I don't shake hands to a lady and a husband that walk into the door that are going to come into counseling with me. I don't shake her hand. Um, why? Because I think it's too, it's, too, it's too physical touch that should not take place. They sit there. They'll do their counseling because we're going to be talking about some deep issues. Then they will leave. I'll shake a hand when they leave, but I will not shake a lady's hand before she comes in um, because I'm saying, well, this is my setting, and therefore, since this is my setting, I don't want to get anywhere close to know, as, as you guys are going to expose yourself in, in regards to speaking, I don't want to get anywhere close to physical touch whatsoever before we even get into the conversation. Those are things that I just put up. Are they right? Are they wrong? They're the things that I put up to make sure that people know that I want nothing to do with a woman coming after me. I won't want anything to do with somebody having a crush on me or even thinking about me. So they come in for counseling. I, I'm, I hate to say it. I'm really rigid. I just want you to know I'm going to go talk to Barbara. And I tell you that I'm there. And she's sitting right here, and I do it every time. I walk out there, and I say, Barbara, I just want you to know I have a husband, and I got a, um, his wife there. I'm talking to them. Um, if somebody comes in that is a female that says, I just really need to talk to you, and uh, she's by herself, I instantly go, okay, let me talk to Barbara, tell you what we're meeting. I talk to Barbara, tell her we're meeting, and I keep the door, I keep the door open, um, the pieces of the door open. Uh, what that does is it instantly makes a large statement that, number one, we're not drawing close. I just want you to know, we can share something and we can be professional, but I want to make a bold statement that there's nothing going on in my mind and everything's sealed off before anything happens. And that's what that bold statement, that's what that bold statement does. So going on handshakes, yes, you'll see me shake people's hands. Um, it would be offensive if I didn't. You guys have to think, well, you know what? It might be really wrong for me to shake a hand at work with this 20-year-old lady. It could be. You have to use your wisdom in it. I'm just going to say you have to use your wisdom in it. Is shaking a hand horrible? No. Um, but every handshake should have caution. And what do I mean by caution? I have the foyer. I'll shake any lady's hand. I just tell you. I'm just, I will. Shake any lady's hand. That's my caution. That's my area. I can shake a hand. Not a problem. I don't think it's, a, I don't think it's, um, I don't think I'm moving in a direction that's wrong, and I don't think people are moving in a direction that's wrong towards me either as that has taken place. So, handshakes. What about side hugs? Hmm, okay. Remember, these are not rules of thumb. You cannot do, you should not do. It should be, when should I do it, and when should I not do it, and who should I do it to? Um, I, I, I don't want to offend any, anybody, but I'll tell you that I give side hugs to a lot of ladies that I feel like is absolutely zero threat. Um, I love older ladies that walk in the door and say, oh, it's good to see you. Give me a, a big, big side hug. It happens consistently, and it happens in front of absolutely everybody. Now, you can say, whoa, is that wrong? Um, I would say it's not. Um, I would say it's not just, I mean, this is me. You can say, you know, it could be wrong for you or not wrong for you, but I've done it 
for 10 years, and nobody even thinks about it. I'm assuming nobody thinks about it. I've never had somebody come up to me and say, you should not hug a 90-year-old lady. I, I do. I'll hug a 90-year-old a lady and uh, just as a welcome to come, to come in. Um, but do I hug anybody my age? You won't see me hug anybody my age. You won't see me hug anybody even younger. You won't, hug, you won't see me hugging somebody that, um, um, at all that would not be in this category right here. I have to be really careful because I'm talking to my congregation as I'm sitting here saying how I'm hugging people and how I'm not hugging people. So this is a little bit difficult because I definitely don't want to offend anybody. But hugging this category and side hugging this category, um, you just got to use caution is, is what I got to say without going to an extreme amount of detail is that, um, yes, now, now all the old ladies are going to go, uh, some of the ladies that are older, some of the ladies that I hug are going to go, oh my goodness, this is what's going on in his mind. I didn't know I was... So, I'm sorry, I just think it's innocent. So, I'm just, I'm just saying that. It's not a problem. Tap on a shoulder, use caution. I hate to say it, I think it's innocent. Um, but you also want to think of what's going on in your mind as well. Because if your mind is innocent, you just don't want that person to draw close to you. If your mind is innocent, a tap on a shoulder, I believe, could be innocent as well. A tap on the back, this is something I'd avoid. I think this is going a little bit, even too far, um, just, this is just me. This is just what, you know, I believe a general rule of thumb. Tap on the back is just, it's just getting, how do I say this in church? It's getting lower than you're supposed to. <laughs> I don't know how to say it. So however you say that, I just feel comfortable tapping on shoulder and I feel very comfortable side hugs. That's personally, that's me. And this is how I've taken caution over it. And I've also taken caution with who I can do it to and who I, who I cannot um, as well. And again, you know, if we have a brand new person in and I give them a side hug, I, I don't know if that's appropriate either. I don't think that's appropriate. So um, face-to-face connection. This would be a side hug face-to-face. Just, you know, where, I'm sorry, I got a microphone on. I forgot about that. Um, just where the faces are connected. Um, I think that's a personal space. I would say, I would encourage you to avoid that. I think that's going, um, going a little bit too far. Um, so it's moved from a caution more towards, you know, an avoidance. Uh, frontal hugs, um, I would avoid that. Um, um, I mean, I don't even give my daughters frontal hugs, um, just to let you know. I mean, just in a sense, that's me. If you give your daughter a frontal hug, that's not a problem whatsoever. But um, there's, just, there's just something about I can grab my daughter right by the side, and I can squeeze her like crazy, and it feels really good. Um, and I like that, that, strong, that strong respect and that strong love. And um, sometimes if I'm, you know, if I'm doing frontal hugs, grab squeezing hard, you know, it's just not, I just, we would feel uncomfortable. It'd make her feel uncomfortable, and that's where we're at. So just looking at the frontal hugs, where I'm at, is you won't see me hugging anybody frontal um, hugs whatsoever um, in church or anywhere except my, um, my wife. I kissed her the other day in the foyer. Whew, boy, that was an accident. Sorry. I should apologize for anybody who saw me. All right. Um, and you guys come up with questions because uh, we're going to try to finish as fast so we can talk about questions and those things because we're probably bringing up a lot of things that um, you want questions on. Uh, number five, general rule of thumb with the opposite sex, be very, very careful of compliments. Compliments are dangerous, and the reason why compliments are dangerous is because when we send, we want to be all right. We want to be okay. That is our heart cry that pulls us to Jesus. And the Bible says, you're okay. I died on the cross for you. I rose again, and you are saved by my blood. You are okay, and the Bible is screaming that. And our hearts are screaming it. Am I okay? That's a beautiful piece of salvation. 
the beautiful piece of marriage is that when couples are married and you look at each other and say, you're okay, you're beautiful, you're wonderful, and you start giving compliments, you are talking about a marriage that's going to grow tight, a marriage that's going to be going strong. So in that context, compliments are so powerful that we underestimate them. And I even said a couple weeks ago or even last week, if you want your child to be here, you compliment them in that direction because they will go anywhere you compliment them to. We underestimate compliments. Compliments should be given to the people it should be given to and make sure they're not given to somebody that they shouldn't be given to because remember what's going to happen with compliments, people are going to draw to you. Now you can give general, specific, watered-down compliments, but don't um, uh, be very, very careful with compliments as a general rule of thumb because it will draw people to you. Uh, Be very careful with touching. Um, Again, you saw handshakes, side hugs, tap on shoulders, tap on backs, face-to-face. Um, there's no general rule of thumb, but it takes a lot of wisdom. And even as it takes a lot of wisdom, your mind has to be pure before we're even talking about this. Because if our minds are not pure, then we should not handshake anybody. We should possibly not even have a conversation to anybody uh, with any females if our minds aren't pure. If our minds are pure, this is all right, but um, we have to make sure that our minds are pure before we do anything. Be very careful texting. Um, the Bible is written in word form. Words carry a stronger power than, um, than your voice. Uh, words carry a richer power than your voice. You've got to be careful with texting because people are hanging on to it. People are thinking about it. People are looking at it again. What are they really saying in between the lines as things are said? Be very, very careful texting because you can have people draw towards you then as well. Uh, do not be alone without making a scene. Um, that whole thing of making a scene is, is when somebody comes to my office, I stand up and say, oh, i got to tell you, talk to Barbara, tell you that I'm here, and I go talk to Barbara, and I come in, and then we talk, and then I tell Barbara we're done in the process of that. That makes a scene enough to say, I'm guarding you, and I'm guarding me um, in that process. Um, and then uh, be very vocal with your spouse. Uh, my wife and I are extremely vocal uh, with, our, with each other, and uh, in regards to sharing feelings, in regards to sharing thoughts, and um, I'm secure, and I believe that she's secure. We go off on our ways to our business fields, to our areas of work, and we come back, and our conversation's always going. She knows where my heart is at, and I know where her heart is at. That's a healthy thing to do, a healthy place, a healthy place to be. And even before you go to bed at night, you can even say, yeah, I just let you know that you know, this took place, that took place, and just explain days and, uh, and, and those things, very, very healthy. Uh, subtle things to say when you feel like you might be getting too close. Now, these are subtle things. They're not, uh, they're not um, I can get up with some aggressive things, and the last one's pretty aggressive, but I can go right down to aggressive things. But if you don't know you're, somebody might be getting close, but you're kind of wondering if somebody's getting close, these are things that you should just say, just um, consistently because if you say something aggressive, it's like, I just want you to know that I'm tired of you coming into my office because I feel like you might like me. Well, you shouldn't say that to anybody that's walking around the door. No, say, say subtle things to keep, people, to keep people at bay if that's a problem. Uh, talk about God. <laughs> you put God um, in there and just say, you know what? I am a person that fears God. I'm a person that loves God. Talk about God consistently. It does repel people. That, it repels that sin. Uh, talk about your spouse consistently at work. Talk about my spouse, how much I love her. Um, just, just basic things um, that, that do take place. Uh, direct questions to your spouse. 
You know, we have conversations with people from the opposite sex in our work field, and we do it on a, a consistent basis. Um, sometimes when, if you feel like, oh, things are getting too close, oh, I should, I should ask my wife about that, um, about that, about that answer. Maybe I'll go home and ask, when, tonight I'll go ask her and see what she says, and then I'll bring it back to you. You know, what happens is that right there, um, it's like, it's going gonna, it's gonna to repel people, and it's going to say, okay, you know, if somebody's mind is going towards you, it's going to keep them, it's going to keep them at bay. And then refuse to give an ear. Uh, we just have to refuse to give an ear, mostly if somebody comes up and says, you know, let me tell you about my marital problems or those things. Uh, we just, you know, have to um, refuse to give an ear. I'm even very careful with it on counseling. You know, as long as uh, if a lady walks in there and she says, I'm just going to give you a download, and she's yelling, she's screaming, and then she looks at me and says, oh, I'm sorry, I forgot there's a pastor in the room. <laughs> that is like, oh, good, you keep on going. That's, that's, what, that's, that's okay um, in my regards because, you know, we want to get to the heart of the issue. Um, but if there's conversation, I just want you to know that I really get frustrated with this, frustrated with this. I will put up guards instantly, even in regards to I'm watching and observing, you know, the person that is even talking to me you know, across, across the way. We just have to be very alert and think that, you know, it can happen, it does happen, and it happens very consistently. So we got to put on our guards. All right, really fast, this is just um, a last one that actually is not um, a part of the, ser- uh, the sermon, guarding against someone who's drawing close. This is more questions to ask yourself to see if you are getting too close, and I don't want to spend a lot of time on it, but we need to ask ourselves questions and these are some questions that we can ask to see, well, where is my mind um, at? Did you find yourself paying attention to how you look before you see um, a friend? I would tell you that, that a red light should pop up and a flashing light to say, if I'm trying to dress up before I see a friend and I'm asking those questions, uh, no, don't, you're getting too close. And what I mean by you're getting too close is that you don't want to be tempted because if you're there, temptation takes place, you will get swallowed. Uh, do you look for excuses to see a friend? If you're thinking about that, you're getting too close. Uh, do you flirt even through uh, um, the innocent way, uh, through, um, even through you believe it's innocent? Uh, there is no flirting that's innocent. Flirting in friendships is not necessarily friendships. It's, it's flirting, and it's, it's supposed to be um, inside um, the relationship, a marriage relationship, and not outside. And do you let your mind think about just them? Those are areas that like, we can put in check and say, okay, I need to put this in check because I am walking a line that I should not, that I should not be walking.